Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. If you're a woman who is ready and willing to be a follower of Jesus, you're in the right place. Join me as we dive in deep to learn how to embrace your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. I'm your host, Darla Trindler, and I'm cheering you on. Welcome to your journey. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. This is Darla. I'm so happy to be here with you today. This season, we are talking all about embracing your journey on the covenant path. And I'm bringing in guests to share parts of their journey on the covenant path because I believe so strongly that when we hear other people's stories, we know that we're not alone and we know that we can continue in our own journey on the path. So today my guest is Audra Elkington, and you are going to love the things that she has to share. Audra, welcome. Will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me today. I live in North Carolina. My husband and I have been married for 16 years, and we have three children from high school all the way down to kindergarten. We are one of the families that added a COVID pet to our crew. And so we have a little seven-month-old puppy named Copper. He's a little golden doodle. We have lived all over the United States. And so I am very familiar with starting over and learning how to find my way in a new situation. And so I think that's where we're going to go with this conversation today. Yes, it is. First of all, your golden doodle is copper, right? He is adorable, adorable. My family's obsessed with golden doodles. We don't have one, but we know people that do. And my, my kids are obsessed. Like we follow all the Instagram accounts anyway. So I love seeing your dog on Instagram and you're oh, brave. There's a reason he's really cute. So uh-huh. yeah, he has to be cute, right? <laughs> to keep him around. Yep. Okay. So yeah, we do want to dive into something that, that you've experienced in your journey on the path. And that is that you walked away from the church at the age of 32. And then a few years later came back. And that is part of your journey is leaving and coming back. So can you just tell me a little bit about what prompted you to leave? Did you grow up in the church? What did that look like? Yeah, so I did. Both of my parents were converts. They both, my mom joined the church as a teenager and then my dad joined in his late twenties and they met in my mom's ward and me and all my siblings were raised in the church. I went through seminary. I got baptized at the age of eight. I went to BYU. I got married in the temple. I, around the time I turned 30, I had just had my second child and I just started to really have some serious questions about the church. And some of them were cultural related. I I had a really hard time in that phase of my life, separating church culture from church doctrine. And so as I was trying to weed my way through all of that, I went through some really traumatic experiences personally. And the combination of the stress from the experiences I was going through and the questions that I had, I was not in a place mentally where I was prepared to juggle both of those at the same time. And at the same time, I was dealing with people who just didn't want to sit with me in those questions. I was being accused of Many of the same reasons that a lot of people leave the church, that they want to sin or that they don't believe in God anymore, or that you don't, I had a lot of friends at the time that were leaving because they were clinging to feminist ideals. And, and so I got lumped into that as well. And that wasn't it. It was just mentally, I was not able to walk myself through answering questions that I 
honestly just didn't have the energy to research on my own. And then also dealing with the emotional and mental health struggles from just the experiences that we were going through as a family at the time. And so I made a very conscious choice to walk away. And quite honestly, I didn't think I was ever going to come back. I, I really didn't have the desire to weed through all of it. I just, it was causing a lot of mental turmoil for me. And I mentioned in the intro that we have moved around a lot. My husband works in the construction industry. And for the most part, I've been a stay-at-home mom and supporting him as he's tried to progress in his career. And the commercial construction industry is one of those ones you just go where the work is. Wherever it is booming at the time, that's where you go because that's where you're going to find a job that can support your family. And so we had moved, oh gosh, by that time we were probably in our sixth house. My, my oldest child went to five different schools in five, five years. So we were moving quite a bit. And after I had quit attending church, we moved again. And then that's also when I had our third child was in that time frame where we had just moved to um, Charlotte, North Carolina. And we, <laughs> I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really have any friends there. I was at home all the time with these three kids who didn't have any friends. My husband was always at work and I just started to have this nagging feeling like there was something missing. And about the time my youngest turned a year old, we moved again for my husband's job. He decided to switch companies and we found ourselves in another new location, still in North Carolina, but we moved to another city about two hours away. and. I spent the first year that we were here just completely lonely. I was trying to do things that would help me make friends. And, but most of the year I was spent helping my kids adjust and helping them make friends. And so I just, it was just one of those things. I was just plodding along day to day. We just get up, do the same thing every single day. And then bedtime comes when we go to sleep. And that's how I was living my life at the time. And there was, one day I was driving home after dropping off my kids at school and we live about five minutes from the school. So it's not a very long drive. And I was pondering some things and thinking about one of my kids that was really struggling at the time. And I came around a curve. We live in the country and there's a lot of winding roads. And I know the specific curve that I was going around when I had this experience. And I drove around that curve. And I just heard the loudest voice in my head just say, you need to just trust me. And it was funny because I knew exactly what he was talking about. I knew that the Lord was telling me that I needed to go back to church and give it another shot because in the weeks leading up to that, I had come in contact with three different members of the church. And that's not normal here. There's not a huge population of members of the church where I live in North Carolina. And so for me to have come across in very personal ways, three people that were members was, it was a little unnerving for me. And then when I had that thought go through my head, I just, oh, the tears came and I was like, okay, all right, fine. Then I'm going to go. And so the kids and I did, it had been about five years that we had not been going to church and I walked back through those chapel doors, just me and my three kids. And I have not looked back since then. 
I love the way that the Lord worked in your life. And it's different for all of us, but he knew exactly what you needed. Giving you those encounters with members of the church, it's miraculous to think, yeah, you don't live somewhere where you're going to run into members of the church all the time. And then to have such a profound spiritual experience where you hear a voice, what's from the Lord, and then you go back. So you've had, you had these really big experiences. What other things did you experience like on your road back? The first couple of years that I was back, I just felt so strongly that I was exactly where the Lord needed me to be. I was having spiritual experiences. Every time I opened my scriptures, there would be a verse that would just give me confidence or courage to keep going. And I got called into the youth program. I absolutely love teenagers. I know you and I have that in common, but that to me, I appreciated that blessing so much because the Lord knew that I loved teenagers, but he also knew that spiritually I was probably at that point where I needed to be retaught some things about the gospel and about, it gave me an opportunity to see how the church has changed because I'll be completely honest. One of the things that I really struggled with that coincided with me wanting to leave was the fact that at the time, I just felt like we weren't focusing on the savior a lot in our meetings. And when I came back, I was able to see how all of a sudden, and I know it wasn't all of a sudden, I know this Mm -hmm. has been happening for years, but I was seeing the savior more in the lessons that were being taught and in the sacrament talks and in firesides, it just, I felt that shift. And that was one of the things that really helped me to continue to keep going because I, that's one of the things that I had really been missing before. But then I had experiences too. I was asked to speak in state conference a couple of times. And one of those times our area authority, our state president brought him to my house and he left a blessing upon our house that this man lives in a different state. There is no way he could have known what was happening in my home. And he left a blessing that just completely encompassed everything we were dealing with at the time as a family. And that gave me, that gave me a testimony of the power of the priesthood and revelation. And the fact that heavenly father is so aware of my family situation. And so it was just, it was experiences like that. I kept having them those whole first two years that I came back and then it started to wane. (laughs) And when it started to wane, I felt very deflated and it was almost like I'd been flying and the wind got knocked out from under me. And then I was, I felt like I was starting from scratch all over again and learning how to keep my testimony and my faith strong without those daily, really awesome spiritual experiences. So what are some of the things that you do now? that help you to maintain that, to, to keep feeling close to the spirit in your everyday life? The, one of the biggest things for me has been to surround myself with friends that can be a spiritual support system. I rely on my friendships so much. They, I have a group of friends that I meet with for brunch every so often. COVID has clearly, uh, made that not happen monthly like we used to, but just having friends that I can have spiritual conversations with that are willing to let me ask questions or listen to me when I say, I'm not sure I really believe that or understand that yet. And they don't try to pull me along. 
They just sit with me and let me talk through the struggles or the questions that I'm having. And I love that because I need that support system. The other thing that has really helped me is establishing a really solid scripture study. I wake up every morning before my family does. And some days I am not feeling it. And there are lots of days I could not even tell you what I read on the page, but I always get something out of it, whether it's an idea for how to help one of my kids or just someone that maybe I need to send a text to that day. Or some days it's just, Hey, you need to clean your kitchen because it's looking a little rough right now and not having a clean house stresses me out. And so I get little promptings like that, things that will make my life easier And when life is easier, I'm able to feel the spirit more. The other thing that I've really been learning this past year, especially is how to pray more intentionally to get more specific in my prayers. I I feel like I've always done the repetitive. Thank you for my blessings. Please help me to have the spirit with me today and help me to know who I should reach out to. And that's been my prayer. And those are good prayers. Some days that's totally fine. And maybe that's all I really had to say that day. Mm -hmm. I think the Lord knows there's more going on in my mind than, you know, what I'm speaking in my prayers, but I have learned how to ask very specific questions. And I have seen him answer those specific questions in very specific ways. And that has probably been the biggest thing over the past year when we haven't been able to go to church or go to the temple or not able to, I used to go to the adult Institute class in my stake, and I haven't been able to do that. And I don't get to be with my young women every single week. Like I used to. So learning how to pray more intently has really been a huge blessing for me this year. I love all of those things. And I was thinking when you were talking, they all sound like work, you can't just sit there and expect for those experiences just to come. Like you have to dig in and do some work and continue on your journey, continue on the path. It's not like you just get back on and then you're done. That's what I'm getting from hearing your story. One of the things that you told me before when we were prepping is that sometimes the journey looks messy. And I would love to dive into that a little bit more because I believe that a hundred percent. Like it's never, we hear the straight path. Like we always hear that it's so straight, but it's really, it's not. There's checkpoints. I always talk about that. Those are the covenants that we make. But it can be really windy in between all of that. And it can be messy. So I would love to know what has your experience been with that? Yeah, those darn trees, they fall in your way sometimes. So I I think a lot of people don't realize clearly the people that are here with me understand, but maybe if someone who's following me online, one of the things that people don't often know about me and that are surprised about is that when I made the decision to come back to the church. My husband decided not to. And so I have done this without him. I have brought my children back without him. And it that has been a huge pain point for me. And one of the messiest parts of my journey coming back, because I don't have that spiritual support system at home. And it has forced me to learn how to rely on the Savior. I I don't have a spouse to turn to when one of my kids comes to me and says, I don't think I believe in God. I had to rely on someone else to come give us the sacrament when COVID shut everything down. And that was incredibly humbling for me because I do not like to ask people for help. 
I, I pride myself on being able to just power through and figure out how to do it. I, I parented two children while my husband lived in a different country for two years. I, that's one of the things that I think has made me really resilient is the fact that I am able to just figure it out. But there have been points along this journey of coming back to church that I have had to 100% put my trust in the Lord and rely on the Savior because I cannot do it all on my own. And so I have had to find ways to bring the Spirit into my home that are not overwhelming. And that, and I've had to be okay with the fact that our scripture study might look a little different. It might look like we're doing five minutes on a Sunday and that is possibly all we do for the week, or I'm not going to family events at church because, well, one, that's just awkward. And two, because it's more important to me that we spend time together as our family and not being at things. And so it does, it looks really messy and I have to be very prayerful about the things that I say and very prayerful about how I approach things with my children and it has forced me to learn how to say no to things that are not important and that don't really matter. And, but mess, I have learned through all of it, that messy is not always bad. And that messy is sometimes how the Lord teaches us the lessons that we need to learn personally. And I think that learning how to rely on the savior was clearly a lesson that I needed to learn. Yeah. I really love how your experiences it's very clear to see how he's helping you. You told me one of the words that you thought you think of when you think of your journey on the covenant path is trust, which you've had to do a lot of that. And it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of courage to come back and know that your spouse isn't stepping back in there with you and to know how to be the parent that you want to be in your home and still keep your marriage strong and all of that. And there's so many things and it's not easy. It's not this everything's tied up with a bow and, oh, I came back to the church and everything was great. What kind of, what advice would you give to someone who's maybe in a similar situation as you for whatever reason, and they are coming back or attending on their own? And what kind of advice would you give them? What would you say to bring them hope? I think, I think a lot about one of my absolute favorite chapters in the book of Mormon is third Nephi chapter 17, when the savior is with the Nephites. And this is the chapter where they bring their children to him and angels come and minister to the children and they're surrounded by fire. It's just such a powerful chapter to me, but I think I'd love to read just two verses and it's verses three and nine. And it says, therefore go ye unto your homes and ponder upon the things which I have said and ask of the Father in my name that ye may understand and prepare your minds for the morrow, and I come unto you again. And then verse 9, And it came to pass that when he had thus spoken, all the multitude with one accord did go forth with their sick and their afflicted, and their lame and their blind, and with their dumb, and with all them that were afflicted in any manner. And he did heal them, every one as they were brought forth unto him. And those verses have brought me so much courage and strength and comfort the past couple of years. I look at that verse three, where he says, ponder and understand and prepare. And it makes me think about, I frequently find myself asking myself the question, what is the Lord trying to teach me through this? What is my purpose in his plan because of this experience in my life? And I can look back over the past couple of years 
and very clearly see how this part of my journey is helping me connect with someone else who is trying to find their way on the path. And that would be one thing that I would encourage is to just ask yourself the question, who does the Lord need me to help? How is he using this experience to understand more about plan? And how does this experience help me be a better person? But then I look at verse nine and no one was left out anyone afflicted in any manner. And that is all of us. Every single one of us is afflicted and we all have our own journey to finding the savior, leaving the church. And some of the stressful situations I found myself in, those are the situations that led me to the savior. And they are what helped me to learn how to rely on him because that's the relationship that matters the most. And being like him, walking in his footsteps, clinging to him, turning to him when I'm in pain. That's what's going to keep me on the covenant path. My relationship with everyone else is just to teach me how to be more like him. And I know that for me, which means that also applies to everyone else. And so it is not my job to make my husband's path look like mine because the Lord's going to give him the experiences that he needs for him to progress on the covenant path. And his is probably not going to look anything like mine, nor will anyone else's look like mine or like his or like any of my kids. We all have our own path to the savior. And so I love that verse. And I just have to put my trust that he's going to bring all my loved ones to him at some point in time. And maybe I won't see that in this life. That's, that's a hard truth I've come to grips with lately is that my biggest desire right now is to be in the temple with my husband. We haven't been in the temple together since we got married and I might not see that in this lifetime, but I trust that at some point the savior will find him and his heart will be open like mine was. And I can trust that because it did happen for me. What I love about what you're sharing is that it it illustrates so well that we can have an individual personal relationship with the savior. And I think sometimes in the church, we talk about eternal marriage a lot. And we talk about our families and being an eternal family and, and returning together, which all of those things are important. But I think what you're illustrating really beautifully is that it all boils down to our individual relationship with the savior. And that is what is going to keep us on the covenant path. And we can't worry about other people. We can't compare that what this family in my ward is doing for come follow me and what I'm doing. And we just have to worry about our own individual relationship with him. And I think it's beautiful that you're able to say the savior is going to do his work in your husband's life, just like he's doing work in your life. And you know, that he will, he's the one that can heal us all from our afflictions. I really love that concept that something I say a lot is God is a personal God and he knows us and he knows what we need and he will come to each of us. Yes, we want to have an eternal marriage and we want to have eternal families, but it really starts and boils down to us having that individual relationship with the Savior. And I, I love that you're bringing that point out. Yeah. I think the more, if we can have that be our focus on learning that, Oh, it makes, it just makes such a difference. And I'm, I'm not saying it makes things easier because it doesn't, we still have to experience mortal life and the trials that come with that, but it really does help us 
it helps me to refocus. It helps me to have an anchor, something that I can always turn back to. Yeah. It, It makes me think of, there was a talk in the last general conference by Elder Whiting, Scott Whiting, I think was his name. And he talked about developing the attributes of Christ. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But he talked about focusing on one attribute of Christ and trying to become more like him in one way and how that is the magnet that if you focus on one thing, other things will come. And I think that's so true. If we focus on our own individual relationship with him and trying to become like him, the other things will come and we can trust like you are learning so beautifully. I just love that. I have one final question for you, Audra. This has been so wonderful and I can't thank you enough for being willing to share your journey. We talked before the interview, this needs to be talked about more. Like people need to know that they're not alone. And so I am so grateful that you would be willing to share more about that. But my final question for you is how have you seen and felt the savior in your journey on the covenant path? I think it's in Isaiah. There's a scripture that talks about something like I will go before thee and then I will be thy thy rearward. And I think about that And I just think back over all the experiences I've had the past few years. And as I've watched my testimony grow and regained some faith and felt more courageous to speak up and to bear my testimony out loud, I can very clearly see that the Lord has been encircling me, that he, he does go before me. He prepares everything before I get there. And then when I get there, he walks with me or sometimes carries me in the direction that he has prepared. And then when I've walked through, he's behind me fighting off Satan and fighting off anyone who will try to make me jump off the covenant path again. And I, I'm so grateful for that. I am so grateful that I've been given that vision. And that I have been given that testimony to know that he is surrounding me at all times. And that is what helps me keep my focus on him is because I know that no matter which direction I look, I'm going to find him and he's going to help me turn my gaze back to the covenant path and the direction that I want to be walking. Thank you so much for your beautiful testimony and for being here. I know that, that what you've shared is going to help someone else. So thank you. Thanks, Darla. Here are this week's journal questions. Audra shared what the Nephites' experience with Jesus recorded in 3 Nephi 17.9 means to her about the healing power the Savior has in her life. She discussed how we are all afflicted in some way, and the Savior has the power to heal each of us. How have you been afflicted in your journey? How have you seen the Savior heal you? One of the things Audra has recognized in her journey is that her experiences can help her connect with and help others in similar situations. She shared some of the questions you can ask for yourself as you reflect on your experiences. Here are the questions Audra invited you to ponder. Who does the Lord need me to help? How is he using this experience to help me understand more about his plan? 
How does this experience help me be a better person? A huge lesson for Audra was realizing that she couldn't make her husband's path look like her own. She said she has come to understand that all she can do is work on her own relationship with Jesus. What do you need to do in your life to put more focus on your personal relationship with the Savior? How can you let the Savior do His work in the lives of those you love? enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, please share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on Apple podcasts. This actually helps more women find the podcast and embrace their own journey on the covenant path to find more ways to be a part of the spiritually minded women community, head over to spirituallymindedwomen.com. For more inspiration, follow along on Instagram at spiritually minded women. Have an amazing day. I'm cheering you on in your journey.